Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Gospel Exegesis podcast produced by Logical Bible Study. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to share some feedback that's come in. And thank you so much for those of you who have left reviews on places like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iTunes. This is a small ministry and there's no marketing department. So we really do rely on uh, you guys as the listeners leaving positive reviews uh, so that the podcast providers then know that it's a good podcast and more and more people can see it. So firstly, this is a review that has come in from Takatash in Singapore. They said, honestly, this podcast has entirely changed my morning prayer routine. After listening to the daily readings, I listened to the accompanying episode. It has allowed me to dive deeper into God's word and have a greater understanding of the context of the gospel. If you're looking for a consistent and concise podcast with high quality content, this is it. You don't have to be Catholic to listen to this. You just need an open heart and mind and be open to what God wants you to take away. So, Takatash, thank you so much for leaving this review on Apple Podcasts. It's great that you're getting so much out of the podcast and that it's helping you with your morning prayer routine. That's really what this podcast is all about. It's about helping you connect more deeply to the liturgical rhythm of the church by uh, giving you a deeper look at the gospel reading from that day's mass. So if you're making that part of your morning prayer routine and this podcast has helped you understand the gospels better, that is fantastic. Next, I wanted to share some uh, feedback that's come in from one of our Patreon supporters called Diana. So Diana, thank you so much for your support of the ministry and for this uh, message that you've sent through. So Diana says she lives in Canada I found your podcast on Spotify just by accident. I was at a retreat at my church when someone had suggested the Bible in a Year podcast. I did listen to that podcast for about three months, but I found it lacking as I was looking for the why, the context, the who, the explanations for how the Gospels were written. Now, between your podcast and The Chosen, I have an awakened desire to grow my faith and know more. So, Diana, thank you so much for this feedback. And indeed, this podcast was uh, sort of designed to build on the work of already existing podcasts out there like The Bible in a Year. And a lot of people have benefited from uh, Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year podcast. But in this podcast, we go even deeper. We look at a verse by verse exegesis of the text. So if you know people in your life who have benefited from the Bible in a Year podcast and they've gone through that, and now they want to go even deeper, perhaps this podcast would be a good one uh, to recommend to them. And Diana goes on, she says, what I enjoy with your podcast is that it is just so logical. Besides that, I now have a context and a timeline. And then Diana goes on to talk about uh, why she's supported to become a financial supporter of the ministry. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've benefited from the ministry, I hope you'll consider becoming a financial supporter. It's a small ministry. And if we want to do more projects, if we want to get the word out there even more, uh, then we really do need your support. There's all sorts of exclusives available to you through the Patreon page. Uh, For $10 a month, you can get access to all the bonus episodes, which means you can hear exegesis of parts of the Gospels that are never read at Mass. So all of those become available to you. And if you're willing to give uh, even more to the ministry, you can get access to a paragraph by paragraph a commentary on the entire Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is uh, something that we've recorded and we're currently releasing as well. So if you've ever wanted to learn the Catholic faith better and you appreciate the approach that this podcast takes, 
uh, then maybe that's an option you'd like to consider. So Diana said, I started supporting the ministry because of the following reasons. I was training my voice in the classical realm as a hobby. Working on pieces of music for a length of time to get the pieces perfect and then performing them to a degree that makes it look easy has given me a sense of how much work goes on behind the scenes. I value that behind the scenes work and I believe people should be compensated for it. It can be a labour of love, but we still need a goal to work towards and that takes money in this world. To be honest, I was listening on Spotify for three months before I became a supporter. I missed a few mornings of not listening to the podcast and I saw how much my day was impacted negatively. And that's when I realised that I value what God and you have to tell me through the podcast. So, Diana, thank you so much for your kind words and for your honesty. And it's really interesting to hear about uh, the work you did uh, training your voice in the classical realm. And you're right, it does take a lot of time and effort to uh, produce a really good quality uh, product or whatever it is. And indeed, to to make these podcasts, it does take a bit of time and effort. It is a labor of love. And certainly the whole point of this ministry is to help meet a need that's out there. Uh, But we do need resources uh, to help with that. So if you're at all interested, uh, please check out the, uh, the Patreon page. And there's a link for that in the episode description. And then lastly, just one more uh, brief review that's come in on Apple Podcasts. This one just says, This exegesis podcast is as scholarly as any scripture professor I have listened to. And that one is from Reverend Moose. So thank you for that, Reverend Moose. And yeah, certainly this podcast is trying to give you a really solid Catholic podcast, but also one that's uh, intellectually faithful and that engages with the best Catholic scholarship. So thank you so much for your support of this ministry. I hope you'll continue to tell other people about it. And let's get into today's episode. Hi again, everyone. Welcome back to Daily Gospel Exegesis. As always, our goal here is to every day go through the gospel reading from today's Mass to do a verse-by-verse exegesis on the text. So we're really diving into the text itself. We're helping you understand the literal sense of Scripture. That's where the Catholic Church says we have to start. If we want to take our Bible seriously, if we want to know what it means, we have to start with the literal sense. So we're preparing you for the Gospel reading you will hear at today's Mass. Today's reading is a short one, Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 31. As Jesus went on his way... Two blind men followed him, shouting, Take pity on us, son of David. And when Jesus reached the house, the blind men came up with him, and he said to them, Do you believe I can do this? They said, Sir, we do. Then he touched their eyes, saying, Your faith deserves it, so let this be done for you. And their sight returned. Then Jesus sternly warned them, Take care that no one learns about this. That when they had gone, they talked about him all over the countryside. So as always, we want to start by thinking about the context. What's happened just before this? So Jesus has been doing ministry in the Galilee area. He's been preaching and doing healings. And in the previous passage, Jesus was approached by John the Baptist's disciples. And they asked him a question about fasting. And you can hear that passage on Monday of week 14 in ordinary time. 
So we're in a section here, a section of Matthew, where Jesus performs a series of 10 miracles. We get to verse 27 today, and it says, As Jesus went on his way, more literally what it says there is he passed on from there. He's just been in Capernaum, so this probably, in fact it almost certainly, takes place in Capernaum. We're in Jesus' hometown here of Capernaum. And two blind men follow him. Now, in that culture, blind men would struggle in society. Men were the ones that worked, and if you're a blind man, you're going to struggle to find employment. So you're going to struggle to support a family, and they basically ended up being outcasts in society. On top of that, some Jews at the time considered blindness to be a divine punishment for being a sinner. So they were very much outcasts, both from society and spiritually. So the two blind men follow Jesus, shouting, They're probably shouting because they're blind. They don't know how far away Jesus is exactly. They know he's there somewhere. They've probably heard he's in town, but they don't know where he is exactly. So they yell out, take pity on us, or more literally, have mercy on us. This is their request for Jesus, have mercy on us. And they call him son of David. This is the first time the title is used in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a royal title that has messianic overtones, son of David. In the time of Jesus, basically, the son of David was a title for the Messiah. So when the the two blind men here call him son of David, they're basically saying that they believe Jesus is the Messiah. That's a lot of faith. Some scholars think the title son of David might have also brought to mind Solomon, specifically the literal son of David, because he was known as a great healer and exorcist. So maybe they literally see Jesus as sort of picking up the mantle of Solomon. So they're yelling at him, and then when Jesus reached the house, now it actually says entered the house, so they're they're going into the house. Jesus goes into the house, and the two blind men follow him. What house is this? Because it just says the house, it's probably Peter's house, the house that Jesus lives in. So Peter and Jesus and the two blind men, they all go into Peter's house, and it's Jesus' house. This healing happens in Jesus' own home in Capernaum. The two blind men came up with him. So the blind men, along with probably lots of other people, they all crowd into Jesus' house. By the way, you can go to Capernaum today and you can see the house which appears to be Jesus' house. You can even see the room where they probably would have done a lot of prayers and healings. It's quite amazing. And he said to the blind men, do you believe that I can do this? So why does he ask them this question? Well, he's probably trying to determine whether they have true faith. Do you believe I can do this? And they say, sir, we do. Or you can translate that, yes, Lord. So the two men, they do genuinely believe that Jesus can do this. They believe he has healing power. Then he touched their eyes. So he literally puts his hand on their eyes. It's a very physical healing. And he says to them, our translation puts it this way, your faith deserves it, so let this be done for you. A better translation of that would be, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Notice that, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So it's sort of like a proportional idea. The idea is that they're healed as a reward for their faith. And the implication is, if these two men did not have faith, they may not have been healed. This is a theme which is all through the Gospels. When Jesus heals people, it's pretty much almost always in connection with their faith. If they don't have faith, they don't get the healing. Verse 30, their sight returned. More literally there, the Greek says, their eyes were opened. So the fact that they're healed indicates they did genuinely have true faith. So they do experience a genuine healing. We're not sure if these men were born blind. They probably were. And this would be an amazing moment for them. They see for the first time. It's quite incredible. 
Then Jesus sternly warned them, take care that no one learns about this. Why does Jesus tell them, don't tell anyone about this? Well, at this point in Jesus' ministry, Jesus doesn't want his reputation to spread too quickly because he knows that at this time, people have certain ideas about the Messiah. In particular, most people think of the Messiah as a political figure. So if people hear that Jesus is the Messiah, they're going to want or they're going to expect him to become like a political ruler and there might be a whole lot of political fervor that develops around him. Jesus doesn't want that. He doesn't want people to get the wrong idea about him being the Messiah. So at this stage in his ministry, early on in Galilee, Jesus doesn't want the word to spread too quickly because Jesus has a timeline of how things have to go down and he doesn't want things to get out of hand too quickly. Otherwise, he might be captured and killed too quickly. Jesus knows that he has to carry out a three-year ministry before his death, and so he has to ensure that that timeline is followed. But then verse 31 says, But when they had gone, they talked about him all over the countryside. So the two men ignore Jesus' warning, and it kind of makes sense. They're naturally so full of joy, they've been healed, and they're amazed. So they spread the word about Jesus. They probably say, this man has healed us, this man is the Messiah. All Jesus can do, really, is minimize how quickly the word spreads around. He can slow it down, but he can't really stop this messianic fervor that's building up. So that's the end of today's text. You can hear the next section of text, which is verse 32 to 38, on Tuesday of week 14 in Ordinary Time. So you might like to chase down that in the podcast archives. Tuesday of week 14 in Ordinary Time picks it up from here. Let's now turn to the Catechism. What can we learn from this passage? What can it teach us about the Catholic faith? Paragraph 439 of the Catechism, this is in the section about Christ, says many Jews and even certain Gentiles who shared their hope recognized in Jesus the fundamental attributes of the Messianic Son of David, promised by God to Israel. Jesus accepted his rightful title of Messiah, though with some reserve, because it was understood by some of his contemporaries in too human a sense, as essentially political. So if you've ever wondered why Jesus tells people, don't tell anyone about what's happened to you, here's paragraph 439 of the Catechism answers it. The Catholic Church teaches, as we said in our exegesis, that it was because he knows that people understand the Messiah in too much of a political sense. Paragraph 2616, this is in the section about how Jesus hears our prayer. Prayer to Jesus is answered by him already during his ministry, through signs that anticipate the power of his death and resurrection. Jesus hears the prayer of faith expressed in words from the leper, Jairus, the Canaanite woman, and the good thief, or in silence from the bearers of the paralytic, the woman with the hemorrhage who touches his clothes, the tears and ointment of the sinful woman. The urgent request of the blind men, have mercy on us, son of David, or Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, has been renewed in the traditional prayer to Jesus, known as the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Healing infirmities or forgiving sins, Jesus always responds to a prayer offered in faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So if you've ever heard that Catholic prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here, paragraph 2616 of the Catechism says that the origin of that prayer is straight out of Matthew chapter 9 today. It's from the two blind men who say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. So it's really good to learn about the origin of many of these prayers we've probably said many times, but not thought about the biblical origins of. We'll leave it there for today. I hope you learned something new and we'll continue through the Gospels in the coming days.